0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of In-Depth Star Wars Trivia. (laughs) 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 Wouldn't that suck? Um, Just kidding. Welcome to another episode of Don't Quit Your Day Job. My name is Maxim Allen. I am your host. This is the show where we talk about people's creative passions. Today is March 21st, 2021. And I just realized it's the first day of spring, I think. Is it? I think so. Or maybe I'm wrong. I think March 21st matters. Maybe it's April? I don't know. Anyway, uh, today I'm joined by a good friend of mine, the hilarious comedian. Please welcome to the stage right now, Chris Sure.
1: Good morning, Maxim. How are you
0: doing? <laughs> I'm good. We don't have to talk in radio voices now, don't worry. All
1: right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> my mom always goes oh you sound so much better on the podcast when you talk naturally i'm like well yeah but have you tried talking to yourself before you start an episode <laughs> it's not natural <laughs> all right so chris you are a comedian how old were you when you first got into comedy in any capacity and does this tie into where you're from as well
1: uh not really okay i uh I always had an interest in comedy. Like, I've, I've wanted to do it since I was like eight.
0: Whoa. Yeah, early. real young. Do you, uh, what, real quick, like, what, at that time, did you know stand up comedy existed? Oh, yeah. No, we, Whoa. Uh,
1: the thing about me is my, like, my brother is just an absolutely hilarious person. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to be funny like my brother, mm-hmm. except he has self esteem. So he just went and got a normal job and <laughs> lived, he lives a really nice life. He's, got, yeah. he's married. He's got a cool dog. They're about to buy a house. I took it one step further. I'm like I need I need to do this professionally so I can rub it in Patrick's face. <laughs> <laughs> but uh so like <clears throat> sorry. Um at like 8 or 9 my family went down to Arkansas. We've got a mm-hmm. bunch of family in Arkansas. And we were driving from Heber or from Fort Smith to Heber Springs. It's like a 3-hour drive. Okay. And we watched Dave Chappelle's special, the one he shot in San Francisco. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just, it's spectacular. Like, it's just so goddamn funny, and he has complete control <clears throat> the entire time, and I remember listening to it and being like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. And it was just one of those weird family moments where everything actually worked out, like mm-hmm. we were all having a good time. <laughs> we got to Hebrew <laughs> Springs, we rewatched the special, we showed it to the other cousins, and they were like, it, it was just great, and so, uh... oh, sorry. How old were you? Uh, like nine. Nine? It's a little young for Dave Chappelle, but (laughs) that's kind of on brand with our family.
0: That's like super early.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, and then after that, I was like, I want to do stand-up. Never really did it. Then when I was like 14 or 15, we, my dad took me to see Aziz Ansari at the Beacon. Nice. And it was right after his first special uh hannibal burris opened whoa and i just remember the the whole environment was so electric and it was so goddamn funny um and i just i'm like this is what i want to do i want to be able to sell out the (laughs) beacon i want to do something big like this and that was kind of what set it in stone.
0: Damn. Did you, so from that experience, um, also can you have to just open the door a little bit so Pickles can get out? He's a reoccurring character on the show. Everyone knows <laughs> him. You might want to leave it open just so we okay. can push it. Okay. So you, you watch Dave Chappelle, and then you see <clears throat> Aziz Ansari and Hannibal Buress live, and you're 14. Do you, when, when is the first time you try to create some comedy yourself?
1: Uh... I mean, I always, like, fucked around and was funny, but the first time I ever, like, really tried to put together a set was probably weird. Freshman year of college, Mm -hmm. I was visiting a friend in Brooklyn at Pratt. It's a kid named Jake Wolf. Yeah, yeah. He's a real, like, artsy kid, fun kid. And me, me, him, and my friend Pookie took a bunch of acid and was just wandering around the sculpture garden at Pratt. And Ooh. I can't recommend anything more. It was really weird.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they have some cool sculptures there.
1: Yeah. But uh, then when we got back, Jay went to bed. Pookie ended up going back to Manhattan. And so I just sat there with a giant sketchbook and wrote this really weird set. It wasn't weird. <laughs> like, there were jokes in it. But at the same time, it was really weird just how I structured it. It was like a big kind of flow chart circle, which is random. Words Whoa. <laughs> but I was like, okay, that's interesting. I uh, never did anything with it. Yeah. Went back to college. Uh, I, I think I was kind of waiting until I was 21, just because I knew you went to a lot of bars. And,
0: mm. So um, you were kind of like, you knew you were eventually going to get up on stage. Yeah. And like, it was a countdown.
1: And then junior year of college, I just decided, I'm like, I'm like, if I want to do stand up, I kind of have to do it now. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. I'm not. It's, there's no age issues. I just have to go do it now because I know I'm going to like it. And if I don't just get started, I'll never be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, essentially, you just have to start somewhere. So I uh, wrote, put together four jokes, mm-hmm. all terrible. <laughs> I, to be honest, they, they were terrible at the time because I had no idea how to perform them. Yeah. But uh, I went to an open mic at the Syntax Physics, Physics Opera, which is a really trippy kind of hipster oh, right because you
0: you went to du yeah, in Denver. I out in Denver. yeah. that's cool because it's like that bar is like a it has like a real theater like a tiny theater stage almost like real curtains and all that <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then i uh, got drank some didn't tell anyone i was doing it because i felt like if i had people there it just i knew it was gonna be bad mm-hmm. and so it was right after the election and i, I had four jokes i go up on stage i'm like man i shouldn't have moved to denver like i got off the plane everyone was so fucking good looking i should have just gone back to pennsylvania everyone in pennsylvania is a bunch of potatoes Mm -hmm. i could have sat there with my own potatoes that was the first joke it wasn't very good i got a chuckle yeah second joke i wrote a it was something about tuna fish where i'm like you know tuna fish is bad just because they have to remind you what it is on the product (laughs) they're like it's tuna and you're like that's not tuna and they're like it's tuna fish it, it's the it's fish I swear and you're like oh okay maybe not at Subway though but uh <laughs> and then so it was right after the election I came mm. on stage and I went so we all missed out on what we wanted in this election yeah and everyone's like oh and I'm just <laughs> like we we got so close we were almost there and it just didn't work out in the end and that was for Hillary or for Donald Trump to call Hillary Clinton a cunt on television <laughs> <laughs> Because remember when pussy, the, the pussy gate happened? And oh, then yeah. like, you had Dan Rather being like, he grabbed her by the pussy and they just started saying pussy all over the news. Oh, yeah. I wanted that with cunt. Like, I wanted to see <laughs> Rachel Maddow to be like, yeah, she, I mean, she was being a little cunty, but I don't know if that warranted the, the insult. <laughs> Not a laugh. Oh, it man. Just dead silence. And so I went from there into a joke about stuck porn. And I don't know if you know what stuck porn is.
0: It's like the help me step, bro. Yeah, <laughs> like, so I, I, the joke
1: was I'm like, uh, I'm like, you ever, if you've ever heard of stuck porn, it's like really upsetting. It's like a woman will reach under the bed and then she gets stuck and she's like, oh no, help me. And he's like, I'll help you with my dick. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's not the upsetting part. The upsetting part is it's always her stepson or stepbrother. Or ste- it's just always family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no laughs. Ugh. And I've quickly realized if you talk about porn and you don't get a laugh, You're just describing the porn you watch to a group of strangers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) A porn joke without a laugh is just TMI.
1: (laughs) And so I got off stage, finished the performance, and this woman walks across the room, comes up to me and was like, thank you, and then leaves. Doesn't explain her thank you. To this day, I'm haunted by it. I don't know if she was like a Trump supporter, and she was like, yeah, thank you for speaking the truth about calling Hillary Clinton a cunt. I don't know if she was like a big fan of stuck porn or if she was happy that I just gave up my time after two Mm -hmm. minutes.
0: What if what if it was like someone else there for the first time and they watched you do it and they were like, I can't, (laughs) (laughs) I can't.
1: (laughs) Like, I can't debase myself like that. Mm -hmm. That's this kid has no (laughs) self-esteem.
0: So you bomb your first open mic. What are your thoughts immediately after that? Are you like? I need to come back and fix this. Yeah, yeah.
1: I was like, I can do this better. Mm-hmm. I, I basically, I was like, I can write more jokes. I can do the full time, but I like doing it.
0: Mm-hmm. I just
1: didn't do it well. Yeah. It, it was like driving a car for the first time. Yeah. Where you're, you're going slow and you hit another car, but you're like, this is awesome. It's so much freedom. Yeah. You know, I figured it, <laughs> once I figure this shit out, it'll be fun. Yeah.
0: And I think it's it's so interesting, like the figuring it out, the how long it takes to figure it out and like especially when you watch stand comedians like before you do stand-up comedy you go how hard can that be and then you just spend the first like year and a half just flailing like <laughs> i don't actually know how to look or be in front of people or, like tell a joke <laughs>
1: well that i started when i first started doing comedy i mean i was dealing with my own shit and i was angry mm-hmm. so i just did like I went to make people as uncomfortable as possible. I was one of those annoying open mic comedians who like (laughs) would take the most tragic news. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to hammer 19 jokes. about It was, it was ugly, but, uh, I don't know. I got it out of me. (laughs) I I thought that was the way to be Mm -hmm. funny, but it turns out.
0: So how often did you do comedy in Denver? Like after that, or how long were you there? And then how, like, after that first open mic, how many mics per week did you do? Oh, not many. Okay.
1: I I kind of I did it once. Then maybe like a month went by. I went and did another mic. Mm-hmm. I probably would do a mic a month, two mics a month. Yeah. I was uh, I just wanted to finish college. That's yeah. kind of how I was at. Uh, senior year I started doing it a bit more. Mm-hmm. Senior year that was kind of, I was dealing with transitioning and I just needed mm-hmm. some some kind of outlet. Right. And so I started. I would go to like two mics a week, maybe. Okay. And I started to get pretty decent while I was out mm. in Denver. What
0: but, were your favorite spots?
1: Uh, there's a mic at a coffee shop right by, uh, what's the, the train thing called? Um,
0: Union Station?
1: No, it, the, <laughs> the Smart Line, or what's the, the whole system called?
0: The Light Rail? Light Rail, yeah. Oh, okay. It
1: was by a Light Rail stop. Uh, I don't know where in Denver, I forget. Oh,
0: okay. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Is that one Mercury Cafe? Is that No, no it's okay. the White Whale Room. Okay, because I my like Denver comedy experience is all like Northwestern Denver and like so I don't the the where DU is I would never go down there for anything.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of out of the way. Yeah, but I like that. Then I would always go to syntax physic. That name's so fucking tricky (laughs) because if it's not physics opera, it's syntax physic opera and I just can't deal with the non plural version (laughs) of physics.
0: Weird. Wait, isn't it psychic? Oh yeah, that
1: would be psychic now that
0: I think <laughs> Oh okay, okay. Well it was psych- psychic opera. Yeah. I think. Okay, yeah, yeah. Maybe
1: I'm wrong. I don't know. I haven't been there in a while.
0: <laughs> I went there one time. And actually the one time I went, I ended up leaving before I went up because like there were the comedian I went with saw that there was open spots and comedy works that night and they were like, come here and you can get a spot and so we just like bolted and he ended up getting a spot on like one of their one of their cool nights. So I didn't even perform there. I just saw the stage. <laughs> we like got a drink beforehand and did nothing <laughs> so you um you do comedy more your senior year, and then you graduate and you move to Connecticut yeah or? I was in, okay.
1: uh Stanford for about a year. Mm-hmm. I was commuting a lot. That was just not a fun year. no that was a really weird year because <laughs> it was like i I graduated from college, then I started fully transitioning, I started taking hormones, and at mm-hmm. the same time, I started doing stand-up, but I never really found my place, yeah. like, I was going to super-duper broy <laughs> open mics, like, I would hit... Uh, Jimmy Peoples Mike then I'll go to the Grizzly Pear then I'd be down in Black Cat Less, <laughs> and it was just like truly demoralizing mm. so often while I was also just in like my most vulnerable place yeah. and so it was brutal but I would just go into the city force myself to do it get back on the train I would just be like empty inside i would go <laughs> oh the worst was one day for some reason i was like oh i'm gonna try wearing heels for the first time mm-hmm. i'm gonna wear heels i want to look good today <laughs> and i had a mic down in uh uh at greenwich village comedy club okay and it was hosted by ricky you know ricky mm-hmm. she's like no nonsense, Oh yes uh, yes and so I wore wore heels that weren't broken in walked all the way from grand central to greenwich Village. for some reason i was like i'm just gonna walk i, I don't want to take the subway worst decision i made in my life after 30 blocks my feet were bleeding
0: that's had, so long i had
1: so many blit my foot was just both of my feet were blisters i ended up walking all the way to greenwich village comedy club i got there i just took my shoes off. i was barefoot in greenwich village comedy Ew. Club. it was just so gross and i ricky's like what's up with you you look like you're in pain i'm like i tried to wear heels today and she's like oh that's such a rookie move <laughs> I was like, yeah, you got me there. That was definitely that's some first-year woman shit. <laughs> that's like that's like believing the guy when he's like, I just want to make out. Like I just want that was just some first-year <laughs> and then I ended up ha- I took a, a cab all the way from Greenwich Village back to Grand Central. Rode the train barefoot. It was just a fucking no,
0: oh my nightmare. god. I I feel like in New York comedy, you definitely learn quickly as well that like when you go to a show look nice when you go to mics dress for practicality cuz like you'll be running around like you like everyone bring a backpack get your water bottle everything you could need because it's more of a survival situation
1: oh yeah no one looks good at an open mic no one mm. anytime someone looks really good at an open mic i'm like what yeah you think you're better than us, yeah like...
0: <laughs> that's why I haven't covered up the dirt in the yard, so I want everyone to get mud <laughs> on them. I want them to be degraded while they tell their jokes <laughs> so you so you for a year and a half, you commuted from Connecticut to New York City to tell, to do comedy yep jesus christ
1: it it was a pretty brutal year, I think it it kind of, it gave me a lot of resolve where mm-hmm. I was just like, I have to do this. I quit smoking weed. So mm-hmm. that way there's no day where I smoked weed. I'm like, I don't feel like going on. This yeah. It just really forced me to get into a routine. Mm-hmm. And then as time started going on, I started going to LGBT mics and I started finding a bunch of friends and comedy got like a thousand times more <laughs> fun. Yeah, you like, think? <laughs> <laughs> it was no longer me just going to an open mic being like, I'm trans. And they're like, that's weird. <laughs> and then not laughing any joke. Now I was talking to like other trans people and mm. I was having a really good time. And I was then I started getting booked on shows mm. and it just kinda picked up a pace from there. But mm-hmm. that year was just it was like it was like boot camp for me where I'm just yeah. I, was, I just lowered my head and I knew <laughs> it would get better, but it was pretty goddamn lonely at times. Yeah.
0: I feel like that doing that it takes a while to like find your groove and compared to like those mics in manhattan like women's and lgbt mics are like a billion (laughs) times better like i'm obviously not allowed at them but like i've sat in on some because like lee will go to one and i'll just be there or whatever and watch performance or like she'll be on a zoom call with one i'm like they just they're so supportive they just have (laughs) they just have a great time and i mean we we try to have fun with our mics you know but like it's it's so it's so night and day. <laughs> like I can, like I can't imagine going from like the lantern one day and then doing like fire starters or something. Oh, and yeah, being no, like it's,
1: oh, <laughs> it's just a completely different experience. Yeah, and it's like there's some really good regular mics. Like yeah. I think you guys managed to run a really good mic. Everyone's kind of in a good mood. Mm-hmm. They they pay attention. Everyone's just having a good time. Yeah, but like you go to some mics and I don't really get it. It's almost like they, people go to the mics just to not support they are yeah. like i fucking hate being here i hate all the choices i made in life so i'm gonna make you miserable by not paying attention right <laughs> and i i just never got it like mm. and i know at a certain point doing open mics comedy kind of dulls a little bit like mm. it's harder to laugh and you go you go there and you just want to do your set and you listen to some guy just fucking bomb for five minutes and you're like oh you're God. just taking my just just don't Leave the city. You're like, I just want to go up sooner. And if you were to do this quick comedy, I would go up sooner. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we should do like a really brutal style open mic where it's just like everyone has a buzzer and everyone can collectively vote <laughs> to end someone's set right then. Just to keep it moving.
1: <laughs> That's what Jimmy Peoples does.
0: Oh yeah, he does, yeah, doesn't he? If you're he? doing
1: bad, he's like, if you're doing bad, you get two minutes. If you're doing good, you can get an unlimited amount of minutes. And I'm like, yeah, that fucking sucks. yeah <laughs>
0: yeah i i don't know what like we used to go to the lantern and jimmy people's on saturdays for a little bit and it was just like back to back just brutal took the whole afternoon and just never got any laughs and at a certain point we're like this is like yeah we're going to mike's but this is not worth it oh yeah and it's i think you get out of that beginner mentality of like i need to do as many mics as possible to the point where you get like more comfortable and you're like okay i can be choosy and like decide where to practice yeah so in your in your comedy career what were your like (laughs) early challenges for you like what were you good at right away and what were you bad at right away
1: um hmm, that's an interesting question I was really good at making short jokes. Yeah, that's I. I still think I'm really good at making short jokes, like height
0: jokes or like just oh, no. like one liner style, <laughs> like
1: just kind of like one liner. Where like my, I mean, I still use my opening joke, which is transitioning is neat. I used to be a pretty short guy. Mm. Now I'm just a regular sized woman. Right. As okay. A guy, yeah. had a, at oh god, what's that? Now I'm blanking. Holy shit! I didn't get any sleep last night. This is.
0: It's like as as a guy you're like the a, low end and a woman you're in the standard deviation or something. Oh, you no,
1: know, as as my as a guy my dick was fairly average, but as a woman it's way above the mean. Oh, main.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: so <laughs> I, that's what I I struggled going beyond mm-hmm. where I'm like that joke is just so crisp and perfect. It's
0: like two lines back to back with a laugh each.
1: And it it's only we you were I was only doing 5 minute sets, so it kind of worked because I mm-hmm. could go in there I had all these tight jokes that always worked, but I struggled to kind of expand on them. And that's... I still struggle a little bit to this day, but I'm getting better at it. Mm -hmm. And I found, like, one way I've kind of practiced is I'll have that one little bit written, and then I'll just riff from there. Yeah. Where I'll just see where I can connect it to the other jokes Mm -hmm. and try and build this sort of web of comedy. Yeah. But, no, I definitely struggle writing longer jokes. I... uh, I was always pretty good at bombing. Like, it never really bothered me that much. (laughs) I I was pretty good at shaking off a bomb. I would just be like, well, this is the point. Like, I kind of, I was like, you're doing open mics in order to not suck. Mm -hmm. But in order to not suck, you have to suck, which is, like, such a crazy relationship to have with something Mm -hmm. you want to do.
0: I think it's, it's such a, for a lot of people, that's the biggest barrier to entry, which is so, I think that's what separates the people who are committed and the people who aren't, is there's people who are, like, I want to do stand up so bad but I could never be in front of a group of people speaking or I could never like like not have people not laugh at a joke I made it's like well you're not cut out for this like if you can't even push past that first bit you're not going to make it
1: well, it's like I talked I was talking to my therapist. He's a mm. double PhD, really smart guy. And he's like, I can never do that.
0: PhD in psych and comedy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but he's like, I could never do that. And I'm like, you could do it. It's not that hard. You go up on stage, you talk about your balls for a couple minutes. <laughs> you get a laugh. You don't. It doesn't matter. Get off stage. It, it's not that hard. And he's just like, I couldn't deal with the the existential weight of it. And I'm just like. I don't know if I can trust you as my therapist now. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that hard. Like, I don't, I really never understood that.
0: Yeah. It's like, you should be paying me for these sessions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I always thought it was funny when, when you, I'm sure you've probably heard this too, is like people will see you do stand up or hear that you do stand up and immediately say, you're so brave. <laughs> it's like, You're crazy. I'm just doing the thing I like to do. If anything, I'm desperate for (laughs) the validation of others.
1: (laughs) I think I had a joke like way long ago where I was like, I'm not brave because I'm doing stand up. I'm Mm -hmm. brave because I'm doing stand up and I'm trans. (laughs) I'm, I'm in this room with a bunch of bros that is bravery. And then I was just like, yeah, I'm so brave. Like, oh, off the streets of Connecticut. So brave. out of make it here? <laughs> and then I was just like, I fucking hate that term. So I'm not, mm. I'm not brave. This isn't bravery. And like, I don't know what bravery is at this point. That's... Yeah. But,
0: um, I, I, like, I, yeah, especially in, in comedy. Now, like now that I'm in it, there's not a single moment where I'm like, that was a brave thing I did today on stage. <laughs> like, like, even with the moments where I, like, shoot my shot with a joke that I have no idea it's going to work, I don't go, at least you did it. I'm just like, <laughs> I, I should have known it wasn't going to work. <laughs> <laughs> so what were, like, uh, what were some of your early goals in stand-up? Like, in you're in the open mic only phase. Like, you've never been booked before. What were things on
1: your mind? Get booked.
0: Get booked. Yeah.
1: I... I kind of went into doing stand-up with a giant misconception <laughs> of how quickly it would take to kind of get on my feet.
0: <laughs> how long did you think?
1: I don't know what I was thinking. I was just like, all right, I'm going to be doing open mics, and a year later, I'm going to be at clubs. No. No, it no. was nonsense. <laughs> it was such a stupid thought, and like, I think I struggled with that for a while. So my goal for the longest time, I'm like, I just want to get booked on one show. Yeah. And then I got booked on a show, and I was like, well, that was awesome. I how just, long did it take? Uh, probably. Like five months, maybe.
0: Okay, that's pretty reasonable.
1: Yeah, I got booked on a show, then I did a bringer, then I got booked on two more shows. Mm -hmm. And it was very sparse after that. Yeah. But I just slowly kept getting booked a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And so my goal was just always to go excel at open mics to the point that people want me on their shows. Right. And that's all I focused on, Mm -hmm. which really I think there's a little bit of a problem with that. And I still think I have it today where I just can't really figure out how to work the system
2: mm. where comedy
1: is like such an abstract kind of yeah. way to succeed. And I just haven't really figured out how to be more proactive in trying to achieve a lot of the shit I want to do.
0: It's it's, I think that's one of the hardest things for everybody. Like, and the people who, you look at and go oh they're doing really well sometimes they're people who like host or like produce like three shows and they have a mic and they do all this stuff or sometimes they're just people who do none of that and they're just <laughs> funny or like sometimes just people who aren't even that funny but they're like hanging out with everyone it's like a mix of things and i think it's all just kind of like it's like you gotta you just get struck by lightning sometimes and then you're like oh now i'm a booked person <laughs>
1: And I think as you get booked, people see you're getting booked. It kind of yeah. it's sort of a like a increasing credibility thing. Yes, where people see you get booked, they don't even see you do your set. They're just like, oh, okay, someone yeah. else thought they're good enough in order to book them, and I... so you you get booked more. Mm-hmm.
0: But. Uh... When people like add me on Instagram, I go to their tagged photos and see how many show flyers they're on. Just <laughs> to like check. Like are are they a book person or are they like an open mic? <laughs> like...
1: <laughs> You're like, are you helpful or useless? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, not that bad. I'm not that judgmental, but like it 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 is like it's a weird like snowball. It's like once it's like it's almost like um, it's like dating in like high school or middle school. If you date one person, then people look at you and go. They're dateable but like before that it's like no you're undateable it's just like one person needs to throw you a bone and then you can build off that
1: You're like, please date me I don't even care about you but I just know I can get someone else yeah you can go date who you want to date just please date me like one oh, yeah. one week is all I need and then I'll go date Shelly because she's worse than you but she'll see you dated me and I'll have some credibility
0: just hold my hand in the hall all of this week we don't even have to kiss we just have to hold hands and we can make things Listen, this is good for both of us, okay?
1: You're like, Billy, Billy's going to get some Instagram shots. I'll go buy you ice cream. It'll be done in a day. We'll get a lot of pictures. We can just post them over. We don't even have to talk to each other. Right. <laughs> Think about it. You're like an Instagram influencer, but instead of promoting products, you're promoting me. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what was what was your first show? What, what was that like?
1: First show? Okay. Oh, oh my God. I forgot about this. Uh, <laughs> uh, first show was, I did a show with the, do you know, Venetta Schofield? Mm-mm. Very funny. She used to host a mic at the Grizzly Bear. Okay. Uh, I did a joke about selling Adderall. Okay. <laughs> the joke is I'm like, yeah, I run a family business. I, uh, sell Adderall to my brother. <laughs> uh, so I, I did that joke, and she's like, hey, could I buy Adderall from you? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I'll sell you Adderall. It's no big deal. And so we, we're trying to figure out a time, and she's like, oh, well, I've got a show tonight. And I'm like, okay, I'll just come up, drop off the Adderall f- for you, and uh, I'll just stay for the show. It was all the way up in Harlem. Mm-hmm. So I go all the way up to Harlem. I get to the show, trade the Adderall. Uh, then I just start, I'm like, I'm just chilling. So I start having, like, I had three I'm oh, sorry, I had three du- <laughs> I had three double IPAs. I was just sitting there enjoying the show. It-
0: <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Getting trash.
1: Yeah, I uh, it was uh it was a it was a good show,
2: mm. uh
1: pretty much all uh black performers. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sitting there and then out of nowhere, Vanetta comes up and she's like, Hey, uh, I'm gonna put you up before the headliner when, they're, when we're doing checks. She's like, it's not the best spot, but I'll get you up there. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I did not expect this to happen. I just came to <laughs> the show. And she's like, oh, do you want to do it? And I'm like, okay, I, I'll, fuck, I'll do it. And I go up on stage. I didn't really have much time. Mm-hmm. I had like three solid minutes. Mm-hmm. And those three solid minutes worked. Nice, awesome. And then I had two more minutes to fill Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I decided I'm like, well, I had, I had just ran a couple 9/11 jokes. I, I should just go ahead with my 9/11 jokes. They did all right at the Grizzly Pair Open Mic. <laughs> 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 and so I go on. Hey, they're silly. They're not too bad. I'm like, what do you? uh You ever think about how forgetful people are? Or do you ever think about how unpatriotic people with Alzheimer's are? You know, because they always forget. Mm-hmm. And then the other one was like, what do you call when two twins die separately in a plane crash? Nine Eleven, not not great jokes <laughs> and they just bombed and i bombed so hard from there and it just uh it was i i got some experience i learned mm-hmm. that people don't like Nine Eleven jokes especially in new york yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: it's
1: a touchy subject apparently i, I don't know but
0: I, I always thought that was interesting because in like other like predominantly not the east coast anywhere that's not the east coast people make 9-11 jokes every day and laugh their asses off at them and then you come here and you're like oh we don't do that here (laughs) but i think that's good like as a first show experience like something i learned early is you with comedy you never just win and you never just lose and a set like that is perfect where you just kill for three minutes and then bomb for two and then you <laughs> go home like well that was something
1: <laughs> it was pretty good for not expecting to do any comedy yeah and, that's kind of drunk
0: yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> i left there i was like all right well that was a start <laughs> I walked over to the Harlem 125th and took the train back to Connecticut and mm-hmm. so I was just like alright well I don't know what I think about that I...
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you weren't even on the flyer it was like it never happened
1: <laughs> no there's a great picture uh, it's just like five black comedians and then just me yeah. and I'm just like what's up guys <laughs> they're like what happened how who led you on the show <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, what, what, um, so you you get booked, you don't get even booked. You get a surprise show the first time. And then you said your next one was a bringer.
1: Uh, no, wait. It was either a bringer or, uh, I did a women's show. Mm -hmm. Either one. Yeah. I did Fembot, which doesn't exist anymore, but it was run Mm -hmm. by Rachel and Gabby.
0: Okay. Oh, okay. And so
1: they're, they asked me to do it and I had like met them once before mm-hmm. and we kind of ended up becoming friends like yeah, because yeah. of the show we ended up hanging out all day. Okay. And I did better on that show. Mhm. I did a lot better, but then I did the bringer. Mhm. It was good experience like Okay, how it,
0: how many people did you have to bring to the bringer?
1: It was a Broadway bringer. Eight? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, I forgot. I What the fuck did I bring? Uh, my brother went and he brought a bunch of friends and my dad went and they just got hammered because it's oh a bringer gosh. show and I went up kind of late.
0: Oh, but I,
1: I had a good set. Yeah, I had a bunch of. i had been working on my material. Mm. Got a had a good set. Left. Uh, I just remember my brothers. Like it was, there was some really just bad people doing comedy. He's like, you were pretty good. <laughs> like, but it's also in comparison, there were so many bad people.
0: Yeah. So for for listeners who don't know, a bringer show is a show that a club puts on and you can be on their show and they're easy to get on, but you have to bring a certain amount of people. So if it's a normally, typically they're like a two person bringer where two people need to buy a ticket and then two drinks, it ends up about forty dollars per person to watch you do five minutes. Broadway Comedy Club has the audacity to get you to bring seven or eight people (laughs) to come see you when it's like oh that's almost $300 of your friend's money to let you do 5 minutes. But you can get a tape, which is good if you do well.
1: It it was hard cuz like all oh, I had to bring people from Connecticut. That was the hardest oh, yeah, to get yeah. people there. Bringers are weird because it's like Everyone there is only there to see one person. Yeah. And everyone's drinking a lot because there ha- there's a two drink minimum. Mm-hmm. And so as people see the people that they want to see, mm-hmm. they slowly tune out. Yeah. They're just like, all right, I want to get the fuck out of here. I can't right. listen anymore. All right, comedy. And... uh People were getting booed at the end of the show.
2: Really? He got really (laughs) rowdy.
1: (laughs) I was like, "This is horrifying!" But I didn't get booed. Luckily, I kind of I was I went early enough. But by the end, people were restless because the show goes on for like two and a half hours. Yeah, they they just put so it's a pretty big club, like two hundred people. So you Mm -hmm. have to do thirty comedians bringing eight people
0: each to fucking get the show going that's insane were there any other comedians we know on that lineup with you
1: oh that's such a good question i think there was but i don't remember Mm. any. i think it's people that i'm just not around anymore yeah
0: um, it, it would be it would be interesting to like hear who else was at that one specifically because like that's so funny getting booted at a bringer show like a bringer <laughs> show is like the thing you do early in comedy because you're like oh I can get booked please and then all your friends and family come and see you and then just to have like other people's friends and family booing <laughs> you would be hilarious.
1: <laughs> but then from there I got on another bringer show. I did mm. Yes Fest, which is mm. it's an LGBT comedy competition but it's essentially it's a bringer it's a, bringer. It's a gay bringer
0: <laughs> it's a it's a gay scam <laughs> it,
1: it's bringer but you find a lot of people through grinder that, <laughs>
0: it's not a bringer it's a grinder
1: <laughs> but that mm. i i since i did the first bringer i only had to bring two people and mm. that one was fun and yeah i ended up doing that again the next year and got to the finals nice didn't win anything bummer <laughs>
0: I think one one thing also, that's hard in the city is you're lucky that you are in the tri-state area. Like, that's where your family's from. Because so many comedians I know, are like, I would do a bringer, but I don't know anyone who would come to my bringer. I don't have any friends except for other comedians who are not going to come to my bringer. <laughs>
1: You're like, I can't, I also just can't do that to them. Yeah. yeah. Because the other thing is, if I ask them to come to a bringer, then there's eight people now who I have to go to their bringer. Yes.
0: Yeah. It's, (laughs) (laughs) it's a big expense. (laughs) (laughs) And one thing I learned kind of quickly is when I kind of got my, on my first Mm -hmm. shows, I had one show where I packed the house. Like all my family came, all my friends came, a bunch of coworkers came. I had 10 minutes. I did really well. But I was like, Oh. If they come and see me, they came and see me this time, they're never going to come and see me again. You, everyone gets one stand-up comedy performance early in their career where people will come and support them. Other than that, it's like just pure chance if one of them wants to see you again.
1: It's one, I think it's once per year. Once per once year? Once per year you can get people to come. <laughs> I used up my once per year in fucking uh, September. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, had show in, I had a show in Connecticut, so I was like, Patrick, come and see my show. Mm-hmm. So now I can't I, no one's gonna come to my show. Yeah. <laughs> I run a Zoom show, no one comes.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I'm like, I don't I don't do that. I I think it would be like I think when my family comes out here, there's they they would watch me do comedy, but the chances of me being on a show in the exact same time my family is here for like four days or something would be like pure like like just complete coincidence it's probably not gonna happen
1: well that's when you start you're like hey i could bring five people yeah you're creating your own bringer yeah exactly <laughs>
0: i really want me and alex richards were talking about putting together a show that we were going to entitle a, a reverse bringer because we love that that idea but we couldn't figure out what that actually meant <laughs> like wait if it's a reverse bringer does that mean oh that means that we the producers are gonna bring people and that's just a normal show
1: (laughs) (laughs) no i feel like a reverse bringer is you tell eight of your friends not to come yeah like, hey i'm doing a comedy show but you can't be there don't come yeah (laughs) if you come i can't get on the show (laughs) you
0: make it sound exclusive like do not show your face around here okay (laughs)
1: <laughs> They're like what is something bad gonna happen there maxim <laughs> <laughs>
0: the show where we put 10 comedians out of their misery <laughs> so early on around this time what was your writing process like
1: uh i'm not much of a writer
0: mm-hmm.
1: i kind of i just sort of juggled jokes in my head and kind of i always treated a joke like a puzzle yeah where i would have something i'd have the premise yeah and i'd have a line that made me giggle Mm. like i would just be thinking i'd be like oh that's pretty funny and then i kind of figure out how to turn that line into a joke right and then i would go on stage and do it and i would see which part of the joke worked Mm. and then i would cut down all the parts that didn't work see figure out what i need to add to it to kind of turn it into an actual functioning unit of a Mm. joke and then as time went on i would kind of perfect it and then i would just stop yeah (laughs) like i I just kind of i always figured if there's a if i have a joke that gets a laugh every time Mm. there's no need to tweak it right and i don't know if that's true anymore because i do tweak jokes more and i try telling them different ways Mm because i always figure that either i can get more out of them Mm -hmm. like i can extend them if i just tell it a little bit differently yeah or um I just find more stuff by kind of riffing on it. Yeah. But no, I was always, I would, since I was commuting, I'd always just sit on the train and kind of Mm -hmm. toss shit in my head. And then I'd walk. For the first year, I didn't ride subways. I always just walked everywhere and Mm -hmm. it was exhausting. I didn't go to Brooklyn because I had no clue how to. (laughs) 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 I was just like, I'm not dealing with the subway. Fuck that.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: It, It was a dumb way to live. I walked probably five to seven miles a day.
0: Were your legs like shredded?
1: Oh, I was looking so good. <laughs> I was in the p. I was, I was looking good. I was looking pretty damn good. I was nice and tan. Mm-hmm. I, I was starting to figure out how to pop outfits and make them work. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> weren't Skechers shape ups? <laughs>
1: I'm so- like, I'm not a nurse.
0: <laughs> so in your, so you, you like, you work on your comedy in your head do you ever like transcribe your jokes somewhere or do you have them recorded somewhere or do you, are they just live in your head and you hope you can remember them?
1: (laughs) I have short premise kind of, I have short sentences. Mm. So when it starts, like I have a, I have a joke about uh, the show last chance you basketball. Yeah. And the way that came up is I was just sitting there watching the show Mm. and the coach was just screaming. Yeah. He was just like, put the ball in the hoop put the ball. And he just said that over and over again for five minutes. And I just was dying laughing. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I can't, I can't do that anymore with my life. Like I just, I I played football. I was just imagining what it would be like to be an adult getting yelled (laughs) at over basketball. And I just couldn't do it. I just kept (laughs) laughing. Like at a certain point I was just like, where's the ball go? And he's like in the hoop. (laughs) (laughs) So I kind of had the premise. I just wrote down arguing or adults yelling at adults is always funny yeah and so i started thinking about that mm. and i had sort of just a short note where i was like there's a there's a few types of yelling yeah scary kind authoritative kind and then there's like people just yelling at bars and shit mm-hmm. and so from there i kind of thought about it and i was like where do i want to go with this i'm like i think this would go great with my football joke yeah so i got on stage i just kind of Fucking goofed around and mm-hmm. figure out what I wanted to do with the first part, mm-hmm. and then I went into the football part, and that kind of led me. I figured out I could be like, oh well, then this goes into a joke about how, as a trans person, I or as a trans woman, I did a bunch of men's things, but they just never really worked out for me. And yeah, I, was like, I can talk about being in a fraternity from there, mm-hmm. and so I have this nice little joke that is just summarized as last chance, you basketball, uh, different types of yelling football fraternity being trans yeah. not and that's kind of I, I mm. just have little things and I can usually remember it right and,
0: I, I have a similar thing I, I, I transcribe my jokes if they're finished finished but like for the most part it's like I just have like bullet points to remind myself of what the joke is
1: I kind of find when I transcribe a joke fully especially if I do it before I have performed it mm-hmm. I can't tell it naturally
0: Yeah, I definitely agree.
1: I try to tell it word for word, line by line, all the commas and shit. I just try to tell it perfectly and it comes out robotic. Yeah. And so I kind of, I always try to just go in there with a fresh head where I'm, I'm remembering the joke rather than reciting it.
0: Absolutely. I, I, I think that's totally the way to go. Like for me, I've talked about it before on this podcast, but it's like when you transcribe, you get that robotic effect. So it's like. I like to just riff, like I have, like the premise and the punchline. There's like two th- elements, and the punchline is the most concrete part, and then it's kind of like feel it out and like bring it naturally to get there. And sometimes it takes longer, but the payoff is better than if you just like scripted the whole thing. Yeah. So do you, do you um do do you record your sets? Do you do audio recordings? I or? do.
1: I in my entire time doing comedy. I have listened to one recording. That's it. I can't I just can't deal with the sound of my voice.
0: Oh wow. Like it
1: makes me deeply uncomfortable and it's I don't I don't think it's a gender dysphoria thing. I just can't deal with my voice. Like, I hate <laughs> it. It makes my skin crawl. I just sit there I'm like you sound like such a fucking idiot. Yeah,
0: try hanging out with you.
1: <laughs> I'm like I feel bad for everyone I talk to.
0: I <laughs> feel bad for you listening to this podcast right now.
1: <laughs> just turn it off. Just turn it off like I, you can't deal with it and I only listen to one, because this was senior year of college. Mm-hmm. I had done a joke like a couple months earlier, and it was just, it absolutely killed. Yeah. Because it was about this kid named Brooks. And Brooks mm-hmm. was this weird kid who went to my high school. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know those kind of kids who are just fucking weird. Yeah. They go out of their way to be weird.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, he ended up coming to University of Denver. He was grade below me. Join my fraternity so i was at the bid meeting living in the house while it was going on and the kids just like a, a head case he walks in and uh during the like the bid process mm. you have to they take pictures so we know who we're talking about yeah and he's wearing sunglasses and our president's like hey uh could you take the sunglasses off so i can get a picture of you and he's like nah these sunglasses are dope i fingered a girl wearing these sunglasses <laughs>
0: It, oh my god
1: and like so he didn't get into the fraternity it, it was people were just absolutely tearing him apart and, <laughs> um, at he ended up dropping out of college and then he went on facebook and started posting hitler quotes
2: Ooh. on his facebook
1: Well, he, one of them is like why would you expect humans to treat each other or why wouldn't you expect humans to treat each other with the cruelty nature does adolf hitler holy shit and i was just like reading this and i'm like if i don't report this to the fbi am i complicit in the school shooting <laughs> <laughs> and i i just went on this rant and it mm. all worked and so i went back and listened to it and it worked again and i was like i need to do this all the time but i go i i'm just i can't get my i probably have multiple days worth of recordings at this point that i just can't listen to holy shit and i think i would be such a better comedian if i did it and
0: absolutely <laughs>
1: there's just one day i don't know what i'm maybe i'll have to take like a xanax or something Mm. so i can calm down because the thing is i found when i was listening to him i got used to it the Mm. first first couple minutes when i was searching for it were very unpleasant but once i got to the joke and was trying to like hear it and like write it down and transcribe it i actually had a nice time i'm like okay this joke worked this joke Mm. but i can't i don't know why i can't get in. i just need to do it it's, <laughs> it's like doing stand-up for the first time i just need to fucking do it and quit yeah. talking about it but i i record all my sets and never mm. listen to them
0: i i was i'm similar a lot of times like i go on and off with recording them but when i first started i have recording from every single open mic i went to for my from my first like to, my first 10 months 11 months in comic the whole time i was in colorado and the, the times I would listen to them the most is, it was so hard, like, if I bombed, I would force myself to watch the tape <laughs> on the way home, and just like, it, it was nice because it gave me some release of like, oh, I didn't actually bomb that hard. <laughs> but those moments where it was like, back when, like, doing one mic, the however you did that one mic completely changed the rest of your week, you know? <laughs> so it's like, if I don't watch this tape, I'm going to feel like shit for like three more days until I can perform again. And then I would watch the tape and be like, okay, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm normal. I'm okay. We're cool. <laughs> but I don't know. Some people like religiously listen to their recordings and like, like write down everything that they said in it. And I'm like, I can't, I can't, you I can't do You know who does it. that? Hmm. Good comedians. Yeah. Good comedians. <laughs> there, there is a case to be made though. I think, writing is i'm obviously not a professional comedian but writing is like pushed down the throat of new comedians and i think the people who advocate for that are comedians who write a lot and the comedians who don't write a lot who are also successful just are like just have fun and then but there's not this like narrative of like don't write anything it'll help you
1: (laughs) well i that's like a big subject. Anytime Howard Stern has mm-hmm. a comedian on, yeah. he, he always has Jerry Seinfeld on, and he's like, Jerry's got the work ethic. He writes two hours every single day, mm-hmm. seven seven days a week, and then he'll have someone, I think he had, uh, he had like Tracy Morgan on, right? mm-hmm. or so, and Tracy's like, yeah, I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like, you cannot do that and still be a good comedian. He's like, yeah, I, yeah, I go on stage and just kind of talk. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't know how much truth there is to that, but mm-hmm. I there's two different ways of looking yeah. at it. But I do think if you were to get into that habit, it would be beneficial. Absolutely. But I, I fucking struggle to just sit there, and mm-hmm. write. Like something has to happen that triggers kind of yep. makes a click in my head. I'm like, that's a joke.
0: That's like, we're the same in that way. Like I, I literally like, don't I only write things in my phone cuz I'll think of them like on the train or walking somewhere like oh that's funny and then I like make a little note in my phone work it out on stage work it out on stage and then write it down if it's like a good final form but like <laughs> it's just the, the 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 act of just sitting in front of a blank page and being like all right be funny it sucks <laughs> well,
1: I uh I tried to submit to the John Stewart packet like he mm. did open submissions and I was sitting there and I'm like I'm trying to write topical jokes and I went and bought a fucking newspaper like, and I was reading like in depth. It was right. at It was during the second impeachment trial. And I was yeah. like, I know a lot about this impeachment trial. And I'm like, what's funny about it though? I'm like, I, I just have no, I can't. I just sat there and couldn't write. Mm-hmm. And I didn't submit it.
0: <laughs> I didn't realize it was a real packet. I thought we were all just joking about it on Twitter. <laughs> Cause like, it was like a big Twitter meme for like two days. And then it was like, Oh wait, that's, that was real. Like I should have I should have tried that out. <laughs> have you have you done anything in the comedy sphere besides stand-up, stand-up?
1: Um not really. Not really. I I don't have that much interest.
0: Okay. That's fair. I'm
1: a terrible actor. Okay. Like <laughs> I, I can only be me in mm. the sense that I it, senior year of college, I was in a film class. It was an advanced film class. Mm. And is like everyone had to pitch something to shoot, and that was the final project. And my somewhat people enough people voted for my pitch to do it, mm-hmm. and it was like this goofy little sitcom I wrote. Just a, yeah, it was called "The Last Cigarette." Is about how, like one one person that two friends know, anytime yeah. she smokes a cigarette, she's like, "This is the last cigarette," and it was just really, <laughs> it was really silly, and it was well, in my opinion, it was well written, but then it got shot, and it was so bad. It was the worst thing I've ever seen. Like like we had to screen it in class. And the professor was like, what would you do differently? And I was like, everything. I would do everything differently. I would get real actors. I wouldn't shoot a sitcom because I have no idea. I would have just shot something dumb like Eric Mm -hmm. Andre and just tried to like get some energy into it. But can't act. I like writing. I always wanted to write. Like I've written a pilot and Mm -hmm. I enjoy that. But I definitely always just wanted to be a stand-up comedian. Yeah.
0: So that would be like your dream? Would you be like a touring comic? Oh, or would that's, you be? that's yeah. the
1: dream. I uh, I mean, the I, I always wanted... I mean, this kind of go ba- goes back to dealing with depression and gender dysphoria. It's,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: I just wanted to be able to do something the entire year. Like, I wanted to be able to do like 250 shows in a year. So that way my time was always taken mm-hmm. up. And... Uh, it didn't work out. It hasn't happened yet. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. <laughs> I'm doing like twenty, thirty shows a year. That's That's not bad. Maybe a little more.
0: That's better than me. <laughs> <laughs> I like I have these week like it'll be like one month of like the year where I'm like, I've been booked on like seven shows and then just <laughs> nothing. And it's it's fine. People know who I am. They know I'm funny, but there's better people to book right now. <laughs> I, I, I literally like, it's funny that you were like, oh, I'm going to do comedy for about a year. I'm going to get discovered at an open mic. It's going to be fine. Because <laughs> I came into comedy fully being like, it will take me seven years to matter. And that is fine with me. <laughs> well,
1: that's what someone told, my, uh, my friend Elliot, his dad mm. it was the host of Chats, Chat Soup. It was like an old E show. It was okay. the one, it existed before uh, Joe McHale's show called The Soup. Okay. And he, he's a touring stand up. He was the host of Wipeout, but he mm-hmm. was performing at Comedy Works in Denver. So I hit up Elliot and I was like, hey, d- could you text your uncle? And maybe I could talk to him mm-hmm. after the show. So I went and saw the show. Then after I went up and talked to him and he, I was like, what can I expect? And he's like, well, here's how it's going to go first 2 years all you can all you can do is not quit you're not going to get anywhere you're going to be fucking useless <laughs> he's like all you if you make it for the for through the first 2 years and don't quit you're doing better than other people he's like 3 3 to 5 years you kind of get a little bit you get your feet in the ground a little bit you mm-hmm. start to pick up some momentum you're like okay maybe i could actually do this he's like 7 to 10 years if you don't have some kind of progress like, if you're not at the point where you feel like this is actually going somewhere, you should probably quit. You're just never going to make it. Whoa. And I was like, all right, well, that's a long amount of time. I, I can deal with that. But I also had this thought where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do it in three. Like, I
2: mean, right? <laughs> I mean he,
1: he was the host of Wipeout. I'm, I'm, I'm Chris am I can do this fast. <laughs> I'm the next Dave Chappelle. Oh, my God. It was God. such nonsense. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That, that's scary because then it's like oh at the seven to ten year mark it's like that's either make it make it in some way or quit because then in my mind i'm like are they gonna
1: make me quit <laughs> <laughs> well the council vote
0: <laughs> yeah the council of comedians who have been in the game for six and a half years <laughs> get out of here old man <laughs> no that that's a good way to put it though i think like my first two years is like one year colorado one year new york and then I didn't feel like I mattered until like last summer with like outdoor comedy. And I was getting our mic and stuff. And I'm like, okay, I can feel there's like growth, even though it's invisible right now. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you've you performed comedy in like a lot of places, though. Yeah. So you've done, you've been in Colorado, New York City. Connecticut. Connecticut.
1: Uh, I performed at Mohegan Sun.
0: Which is? That's a what?
1: casino in Upper State, Connecticut. Okay worst performance of my life like i don't I, that <laughs> might go down is the worst bomb i've ever done
0: oh yeah i remember you, coming, you calling calling lee about this
1: <laughs> i i did a stand it was a comedy competition mm. made it through the first round fine second round i hadn't been doing much i forget what happened but i just had taken a couple weeks off mm-hmm. and then i get up on stage and i tried to do this like long roundabout story and it bombed from the first second. It kept bombing. And I was bombing so hard, I missed the light. And it fucking <laughs> played me off the stage.
0: Oh my God. <laughs> it was
1: so bad. And I remember I just went to the bar and I was like, give me just the most alcoholic drink you have, like just straight bourbon. And I was sitting there just drinking this bourbon. And this other comedian named Beecher, who's just absolutely killed, comes up to me and he's like, you look like you want to kill yourself. And I'm like, that's exactly how I feel. My whole family came to this. It was like just such a devastating Ooh. moment. And, uh, yeah, it fucking sucked, man. It, but Mohegan was a cool place to perform.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Have you performed in Florida.
1: Yep, performed in Florida. Mm. Had a strip club show while I was down there recently. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was interesting. Mm. It was like in a little kind of VIP restaurant area of the strip mm. club. There, it, it was a long show. It was on a Sunday at. Tw- I ended up going up at like 1130 Mm -hmm. on a Sunday and the audience was just tired and I had 20 minutes and I hadn't performed in a while. So I'd say the first 10 minutes did really well. Mm -hmm. Then like the, there were parts of the last 10 minutes that did well, but Mm -hmm. there were a lot of parts where they just looked at me and they're like, (laughs) oh, they're like, I missed there. The playoffs are going on. I can't believe I fucking chose to listen to this dumb tranny for so long. The other thing that bothered me is the the host was just like overdid the intro.
0: Oh yeah, the host
1: is like coming to the stage. She's absolutely hilarious. She's performed everywhere. She is Jerry Seinfeld. Give it up for Chris Sure. <laughs> and I was just like, no, like,
0: oh my god.
1: <laughs> I'm like, introduce me. And be like, coming to the stage. She's a mediocre bitch, Chris Sure. And everyone's like, oh, okay, maybe maybe she'll be all right. We got her. Our-
0: <laughs> mediocre bitch is such a vibe. <laughs> <laughs> i love that so um how did you uh recoup I, I feel like that happened i might have my timeline timeline wrong but wasn't that like when you were moving from greenwich to like brooklyn or something so it was like a moving week or two beforehand
1: so uh that was the weekend of my brother's wedding oh, and right. that was after coach so during covid my ha- my dad had an apartment in stanford that was mm-hmm. just a lot nicer than my apartment in greenwich village mm-hmm. and so i covid hit and i just went down there because i could drive my car i could go out walking it was just connecticut did better during yeah the pandemic than new york
0: early did. pandemic yeah
1: so i was living there it was my brother's wedding so family was in town so did the wedding then we had my show mm-hmm. went horribly yeah then i moved out of stanford next week so i was packing mm-hmm. and i remember i came to your mic and just like I just needed to rant about how bad it was, <laughs> and it made me feel. I got laughs, so it made me feel better. But it, yeah. it like shook me to my core, where I was just like, I don't know if I could do Stanley. It was just like really bad.
0: Oh my god! I was
1: expecting just every set I had after that to go as bad as that. Oh my god! And Mohegan's like an hour and a half from Stanford, and no. I drove up there by myself, so I had to drive back. It was just a, it was a fucking night, man. Gee. But.
0: I bombed my first show in New York and my roommates came in socks. I was like, hey, I finally got a book on a show. You guys should come out. And then I bombed so hard. I like they left. And then I went and drank alone. I went and drank alone for the first time and only time in my life. I was like, I can't. It's so bad. And now if I bomb a show, I'm like, all right, I bombed a show. <laughs> like, so um, let's see. Do you do, do? Have you performed in Florida too?
1: Yeah, that okay. I did the strip club show. Oh, that's show. right, yeah. Um
0: well, outside of uh New York City, is there anywhere that has something in their comedy scene that New York doesn't have that you appreciate? Um
1: I don't know, I really like the New York. I kind of treat the New York like the New York comedy scene is like Navy Seals like teams what the Seal Team 6 where I just feel like it's such a competitive environment that mm-hmm. all the comedians get better at a faster rate yeah but other places are a little more chiller yeah they don't charge for mics and shit and Mm -hmm. it's easy to get on shows yeah and i kind of enjoy that Mm -hmm. i i I don't know, I'm really comfortable in New York just because in New York, everyone knows what trans people are. Yeah,
0: I guess that's true, yeah. Like,
1: it's very easy to do a show in Brooklyn where I'm just mm. like, so I was, I was worried about passing the other day, and everyone's like, I know what that means. Right, right. But I go down to Florida, and I'm like, I was worried about passing, and they're like, on the right or the left? <laughs> and I was just like, no, like, gender. And they're like, do you mean sex? <laughs>
0: we're
1: gender critical in
0: this stage. And you're like, I have fooled you all, haven't
1: I? <laughs> well, I have this weird thing happen to me where mm. I'll go on stage and I'll do my set and then I'll get off stage and someone will come up to me and they're like, I didn't even understand the first half of your set. I thought you were a real woman. And I'm just like, one, uh, that's not the compliment you think. You
2: yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Two, I don't understand that. I went on stage and my opening joke was like, I'm trans. And you're like, mm. no. Like, no. Are
0: you no, do, no, like, no. you start, you literally start sets with. So I was jerking off the other day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> They're like, this respectable woman couldn't jerk off. This is, she has a vagina. You don't jerk off a vagina. You play with a, you play with yourself if you have a vagina. This is
0: don't. a proper lady. <laughs> <laughs> that's, oh my God. I, that, that, that's it. That's, that's a good point, though. I think, like, the, the um social awareness here and the the hyper social connectivity here is something you can't get anywhere else like i feel like in new york you can make it a reference to any piece of news and like most of the audience will just know about it because everyone's so plugged in all the time yeah except for bitcoin i've been making some bitcoin (laughs) bitcoin crypto jokes no one is laughing, even though I think they're very funny.
1: You're gonna have to go out to Silicon Valley and just run an entire Bitcoin. Set. Yeah, I'm
0: gonna run out to San Francisco and tell my NFT joke. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, I'm like, okay, I know you guys are nerds, I know that we're all about <laughs> investing right now. This should be killing, but it's not. It, I made the I made the Bitcoin joke work at Dan's show last, last week, which I was like, all right. I was
1: there. It was a good joke. Yeah,
0: thank you. It was good. And then I told it uh, at my mic and then the mic yesterday and didn't really get a response. And I was like, there's something about this. I don't know. That's also something I would say is hard to deal with early on in comedy is understanding the consistency of a joke largely depends on like, like it, there's so many factors. There's like how you're feeling that day, how much you perform it, what the audience is like, what the environment is like. And I think that's something you pick up over time. Like, Have you ever had that like, early on where you would tell a joke and be like, this killed here, but then you do it a bunch and it doesn't work and you couldn't figure out why?
1: I would always just trash the joke. Yeah. Which probably isn't the smartest thing ever.
0: <laughs> I give up immediately. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't give up immediately. It would be like, after two weeks of telling mm-hmm. this joke, I'm just like, it's not funny, okay? I have to give up on it. I'm sorry. I really thought you... It's like... If you your dog kept biting your kid, yeah, and you're like, at a certain point, I'm being a bad parent, and I'm just <laughs> getting rid of the dog. But you're like, I love this dog. It's so scrappy and weird, mm-hmm. but I can't figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's like it's it's really nice to me. I, it makes me laugh. But mm-hmm. I yeah, that's a really weird kind of thing to figure out, mm-hmm. and there i went through when i was early first year doing comedy in new york i went through a phase for like two months where i just couldn't get a laugh
0: oh boy and like I would, get, the best, I would get like a small
1: it? laugh but yeah. i was just in such a slump mm-hmm. i didn't know what to do i was just like god i just can't get i just kept going into the city and fucking sucking and
0: walking to suck (laughs) you're on foot no No, trains the
1: walking was the only redeemable part (laughs) i always i love the walking because i would suck and i would walk and i'd get over how much i sucked by the time i got to the next mic i'm like maybe i can do this and then i'd suck and i'm like well i'll walk back to grand central (laughs) oh my
0: god it's like your punishment
1: (laughs) my legs will be burning my shin feels like it's broken you bitch you deserve this
0: (laughs) So, how did you eventually get out of that slump? What did it take?
1: It just happened one day.
0: Mm-hmm. I. <laughs> no skill, no self awareness. It just worked out. <laughs> I
1: think there's a mixture of. When I was doing that, I was mm. like trying to write as much material as possible. Right. So, I would kind of do a joke. It would suck. I would keep doing it. It would suck. I would move on to the next joke. Mm. So, I think I went to a mic I hadn't been to before, so there's new people. Yeah. I ran the three jokes that I know worked, mm-hmm. got laughs, kind of boosted my confidence a little yeah. bit. And then from there, it just slowly got better. hmm But, yeah, that, that was a shitty two months. That was, like, fucking brutal. I was just like, man, it might ever get better. It was one of the, it was also that, like, first slump, where, mm-hmm. like, you know, you do good, you do good at one mic, and then you don't do good for a little while. After yeah. That. It was just...
0: That was like my first like three months in New York City. Like I was on such a high coming from Colorado. I was like, I'm doing well. I did the Comedy Works New Talent Night. I did a really good set. I'm feeling good. Like I'm funny. And then I got to New York City and was like, oh, I'm not funny at all. (laughs) And then it was like like it was like three months, maybe even more of just bombing so hard. And like I was meeting people. And like, sometimes I'd say something offhanded on stage. And people would laugh and people would be like, you're funny. I'm like, I know I'm funny, but I don't know how to make you <laughs> fucking laugh when I try to. And it took so long to figure out. And it was just like, I'm glad that like people had faith in me. Like just having some friends be like, don't worry, you're funny. <laughs> <laughs> it took forever to get out of. But like, I think one thing that cannot like, I think once you get to a certain point with like how far in we are at this point, it's like. I don't think you your confidence can take a hit of that magnitude like it does early on.
1: No, it's. I mean, I I kind of had it with that Mohegan show, but it yeah. took me a week to get out of it. Yeah, and I wasn't like, oh, I'm gonna quit. It was more, I was just a little nervous at the mic. Yeah, the next mic I went to. Mm-hmm. I uh, one weird thing I found about performing in different places mm-hmm. is like just how different jokes will work. Yeah, it's like when I was in uh Denver, I. My opener was a joke where I'm like, if a slave gets 10,000 hours of experience, does that make him a slave master or just like a regular slave expert?
0: I, I'm not, I'm legally not going to laugh at that.
1: <laughs> it was like a Malcolm Gladwell joke. But it worked in Denver. Like people, I don't know if it's like in Denver. It's they're... weird
0: that it that stuff kills there. because it's.
1: I think it's because there's a lot of white people and white people love Malcolm Gladwell. <laughs> and then i went and did it at jimmy people's mic first time, first mic i did and he's like hey man uh i don't think any amount of experience makes a slave a slave master that's not really how it worked and i was like yeah you're right
0: you're right <laughs> jeez i mean it was so bizarre cuz like i did mostly comedy in boulder and it was so hyper woke it was like it was like new york city levels of like woke but without actually having other types of people around it was just like this like super like hyper woke thing to the point where you couldn't even make a joke about suicide or like killing yourself without people like cringing at it and then i would go to denver and hear jokes like that and i'd be like what is going on like
1: what? denver is like a weird place because it's truly you think all of colorado's blue you're like mm. colorado legal weed bunch of hippies like love snowboarding they're all gonna be liberal but denver's like Pretty fifty fifty. Mm-hmm. Where it's like Boulder's super liberal, Denver's fifty fifty, and then you've got like Fort Collins, which is, from what I remember, very conservative. But no, I I did it. I used to go to this mic, and it wasn't in Denver, it was in I think Centennial, Colorado, mm-hmm. like maybe twenty minute drive outside, mm-hmm. and it was called the Wrongest Joke Mic. Okay. And so whoever told the gnarliest joke Ooh. won a twenty dollar bar tab. This was such a weird mic because it was like. You, you drove down I-70 mm-hmm. just for a while, got to like a, the middle of nowhere. You pull up, it's a biker bar. And at this biker bar, there's two rooms. There's like the small front bar room where mm-hmm. we did the mic. And then you there's a curtain and you go and there's a much bigger space where they had heavy metal shows every single night. Whoa. And <laughs> the heavy metal shows always started 15 to 20 minutes into the open mic and the speakers could not compete. There is no door. So if you weren't one of the first four comedians, you were screaming over heavy metal. And it was just this weird mic where people (laughs) go on stage and say horrible shit. But it, Mm. I was like, I I got like, really, I always had fun at that mic. And last, I think this was the last mic I did in Denver. I Mm. go up there. Um, I forget why I, I just had like I did my I think I had two 9-11 jokes Then I went to just a gnarly joke about getting fingered by a by a masseuse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right as I was doing that joke, three old women walked into the bar and I was just like, "What? why are you here? For one, it was just such a weird sight. They sit down at the table. I'm talking like I just went into a gross masturbation joke. They got up, left immediately <laughs> and i won the contest now it's like all right Whoa, I'm going out nice. I'm going out on a good no but that's awesome <laughs> that's like denver you, you go out and you get shit like that mm-hmm. but that shit wouldn't fly in boulder <laughs> no
0: it's in like the you look at just the electoral map of colorado and how it's divvied up and it's like you basically have like denver boulder and then like summit county are majority blue and then that's it everywhere else is just like it's red so it's it is like a weird combination um yeah uh so we're, we're down to kind of our last 20 minutes here i want to ask you a couple things so one what are your thoughts what would you tell someone who wants to start stand-up comedy or someone who's early in their stand-up comedy career what lessons have you learned
1: um <clears throat> find your friends
0: mm-hmm.
1: find people that you actually want to be around that definitely made the process a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen to your sets.
0: <laughs> yeah, listen to your <laughs> don't sets. Don't
1: be like me. Get over it. Your voice <laughs> isn't weird. It's just you don't normally hear it. Yeah. Uh, listen to your sets. Work on your jokes. You can't get in. Try and like, get rid of any ego you have.
0: Because mm-hmm.
1: essentially you're garbage and you're nothing. And if you think you're better, you'll end up just being disappointed.
0: Yeah. You're, I, like I call everyone. You're a dog shit open micer. <laughs> Unless you're getting paid for it regularly, you are a dog shit open micer.
1: <laughs> uh listen to people, take mm-hmm. advice. Don't do too many bringers. Do one bringer and get a tape, but after that, don't do any more. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
1: come to Maxim Allen and Lee Land Mike. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and be fucking cool. Okay. <laughs> be cool.
1: Yeah, don't make an asshole yourself. That makes it hard.
0: Yeah, <laughs> don't be an asshole. Yeah, that's a big one. I'd say like, even for people you don't like necessarily, you gain more by not burning a bridge. Just don't burn any bridges unless you're sure that that bridge can be burned and you won't find out for like six to eight months a lot of times.
1: When it's like, No one wants to have an asshole on their show. Right. Like it kind of goes back to the hang where like Mm -hmm. a lot of comedy is just sitting around waiting to perform and no one wants to be like, well, let me invite this person I hate to come hang out with. Yeah. It's just don't be an asshole. Be kind to people. Mm -hmm. You'll definitely it's it's a what's a you, you catch more flies with honey. Yeah. Totally. I was about to say something completely different and get the same. <laughs> <wrong. laughs> Anytime I I'm about to say a saying, I'm like, wait, this is the right saying, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. I, I think that that's a big thing is like when you start, especially the comedy scene is kind of daunting when you first get into it wherever you are. And it only helps to be friendly and like just show up and be cool and be a good hang. Don't be uh don't be a downer. If you're a downer, people are you're not. They're not going to want to have you around.
1: No. Uh Don't drink too much. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> also that. <laughs> yeah. I I struggled with that a little in the beginning because mm. I was just fucking sitting around so much. So I just yeah. drink. Now I take the train home. So. Uh, it didn't really do anything disastrous. But it's definitely gonna hinder you to a certain extent. Yeah. Like most comedians don't drink that much. It's no. Partly a money thing, but.
0: A lot of them will do their set and then drink at a show.
1: And I find the people who drink too much, I don't want to be around. Mm-hmm. Like they're one. Their comedy is usually really sloppy. Yeah. And they they their issues end up bleeding out onto the stage. Yeah. Like there's some people who pull it off. Yeah. But there's other people who just can't quite get it.
0: Totally. I I think, like, for me, it always bothered me when I saw a comedian just get up and just be super trashed, like, because you, you, you'll see people for the first time, and people will see you for the first time, no matter where you are, and so you should make a good impression, and, like, for me, like, I only get drunk, like, once every two months at our <laughs> mic, but I, like, let everyone know, it's like, tonight's the night I'm drinking, so sorry, but... Like there I've seen people before get up and just be so hammered and try to do comedy and be like, "Okay, I know you think you are killing it right now, but everyone is looking at you and you look like shit. (laughs) And also, I've heard that, like with drinking, a lot of people early on will drink like two or three beers before they go up to get over the confidence hump. But then you're relying on beer or like drinking to get you in the zone for comedy.
1: See, it was never that for me. Mm -hmm. It was always just boredom.
0: Just boredom. (laughs) I was just like,
1: well, I'm at a bar and I Mm. might as well have a beer while I'm sitting here. And then, Mm. like, the mic would go on for another two hours. And I'm like, well, I might as well fucking get another beer. And yeah, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I I think it it helped get me through the first few months. But yeah, looking back on it, it just, why bother? Like, Mm -hmm. we're here to do something specific, we're not here to drink. Mm hmm. The other thing that I I I did it once or twice, but don't smoke weed before you go on stage. <laughs> just, there's there is a select amount of people who can actually pull it off, and I'm pretty sure they all lived in Denver. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's a lot of people who go on stage high, and they're just not fully in it. Yeah. Like, I I was on a show in Connecticut and the woman got really high. And, like, half of what she said was, I'm super stoned
0: right now. Mm -hmm.
1: And I was like, do some jokes. Like, yeah. We're not here to watch a high person, we're here to watch a comedian. Mm
0: -hmm. Also, I specifically think 99% of weed jokes suck. I get so bored of it. And you probably experienced this because you were in Colorado. Someone opens a set with, Who smokes weed here? (laughs) And then everyone fucking claps, and then here comes a hack joke about weed or edibles. Like, I,
1: I can't deal with the premise anymore, where the people are like, you ever been so high that you do this? Yeah. And everyone's like, yeah. yeah I, I just, it's it's been overdone at this point. Yeah.
0: The the one, my, my favorite of that genre, though, is uh, Omar Scruggs. He has that joke where he's like, man, I had stopped week, smoking weeks, so I was getting too high, and I'd go go home, get a scoop of ice cream, and then <laughs> like blow on it like soup <laughs> I was like alright I'll, I'll take that one <laughs> what are your um what are your thoughts on like new people and like getting confident in stand up what do you mean uh, like early on like confidence is kind of shaky like what are things that you would do if you could go back in time how would you better better handle your confidence and like try to get more solid there with comedy
1: um that's an interesting question. Confidence? Oh, goddamn! You're throwing me for a loop.
0: Okay, I'll throw. I'll give you an easier one then. Okay. No, no,
1: no. We can stay on this. Uh, okay. <laughs> I don't want to do. You're like, all right, dummy. Like you can't. <laughs> you're like Chris, sure, only guest who couldn't answer this basic fucking question. You know,
0: what I was gonna ask you. I was gonna say, how do you make money from this? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to throw you a harder one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How do you make money from this? Uh, you rob people while you're waiting to go to an open mic.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: No, confidence. I don't know. Just keep performing. Mm-hmm. Make your friends. Uh, know that people suck worse than you do. Yeah. And that everyone kind of... I, I hated the... The whole idea, I like. I don't believe it when professional comedians are like, "I was good from the first set." I'm just calling bullshit on it. Yeah. I just don't fucking believe it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, no, no one's like that. Just keep doing your jokes. You'll get better. Don't, don't blame anybody. Don't blame yourself if your joke doesn't work. The joke, mm-hmm. blame the joke, and just either fix it or move on. That's kind of the big confidence thing.
0: That's a good that's a good tip, though, to like not take it out on yourself. Like, yes, you are writing the jokes, but it's just like any other skill, like making joke like in the most it's so abstract and it's like weird because like the 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 art of like making things funny is just like it's completely magic and you just kind of figure out how to be better at it over time. You're guaranteed you're going to write some bad jokes or like you'll be like so funny as a person and you'll like try to write jokes and be like. Why have I not written anything funny? I'm funny. It just takes time. So just chill out. Also, don't get cocky. That's, that's something early on, too. I don't know. That goes into the being a good hang. Don't, don't get cocky about it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I... Fuck, I... I had something else to say about confidence, but I'm just fucking blanking so bad. <laughs> Smoked
0: too much <laughs> weed before the podcast. you ever get
1: so high you have an idea on a podcast? <laughs> you fucking blank. You just black out. You forget what you're gonna say. <laughs> it was really good advice too.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't know. I think it's I. I never thought I like. Even though I'm not that deep into my comedy career, I'm in. I'm in like two and a half years right now and i never thought i would feel so secure in who i am as a comedian this soon like and looking back on like my first year i'm like i was such a mess i cannot believe how much of a mess of a comedian i was <laughs> and then you just figure out these like intangible things as you go along that make you better it's weird i don't think I know there are lots of books in stand up comedy and comedy writing that do provide some value, but there is nothing like just going and eating a bag of dicks over and over and over and over on stage.
1: Oh, I think that's the only way you can get good at mm-hmm. i i'm not a I bought a book in in college called mastering stand up comedy and mm-hmm. i was just i I bought it as a joke where I'm like really i'm gonna read this book and be a master at stand up comedy <laughs> <laughs> really i'm gonna be the funny. jerry seinfeld wasn't funny read this book now he's the best comedian (laughs) (laughs) like
0: and i like the thing about it is it's not just like it's not like ice skating it's not like there's like steps there's not like a thing that everyone does it's like the thing everyone does is you go to open mics and then you get booked on shows and you keep doing it but fundamentally every single person is different so you, you can't be like Here's how you should do your style of humor in what form it takes. It's like, now it's just, it's like Hunter Hunter. Everyone's got their own, like, little power.
1: <laughs> I'd, uh, I remember what I was going to say, though. Okay, great. For confidence, and I think this is really important, because I don't think you can get through it unless you're doing this. Mm-hmm. You have to figure out how to have fun while you're doing it
2: if you're not having fun
1: it's just miserable and you can never be confident so even if you're doing bad you just still have to figure out how to have fun on stage yeah like even if that means leaning into the bomb yeah i would do that every once in a while you'd bomb and you're like let's see how bomb let's let's see if we can get this so big it destroys my confidence yeah (laughs) and then as you like start laughing you're like i don't think i could bomb worse Mm. and you you start having fun with it so i think that's important for confidence because if you're having fun It doesn't really matter that much if you do well or not. You're Mm -hmm. still going to enjoy doing it.
0: Definitely. I think that also ties into like the finding your friends type thing. Like when you have mics and like people you enjoy hanging out with at comedy stuff, you build up that confidence. So when you leave that circle to perform somewhere else, you still think, oh, I'm having fun and I'm having a good time. You can be comfortable. I don't know. I think it's good, though. Yeah. have fun i don't have fun sometimes and i'm like then i'm like why why why, why did i do that i should have like, tried
1: <laughs> it's it's kind of like there's a lot of easier ways to make money than
0: doing
2: mm-hmm.
1: this we're doing it because this is what we want to do and part of the reason that we want to do it is because it's fucking fun yeah so if you lose that aspect of it you're just like i could be having a better life
0: yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're like i could yeah. be miserable and making money doing it versus exactly. doing this
0: yeah, it's like, I think they're, the, the hardest part initially is like grinding it out kind of alone. But once you kind of get your roots planted and hang out with people and kind of get into the groove of it, then it's just it's just fun as itself. Like, I've never thought for a moment, even even my worst set, never for a moment was I was I like, oh, I'm definitely going to quit this. Like, no, it's it keeps you going. Yeah. So, OK, this is the final question. We have about 10 minutes left. Do you have a message or a lesson that you stick to in your, have you stuck to in your own creative journey that like you repeat in your head? Do you have something that like, do you have like a theme in your comedy career? I ask a lot of questions layered on top of each other with no concrete answer to see what people will say, (laughs) but do you have like, do you have something you kind of stick to that you've stuck to in your mind that like keeps you going?
1: Um, I mean, hmm, that's a fucking really good question. You're you're really good at this.
2: <laughs> Thank you.
1: You're like, I'm going to bring on a bunch of comedians who kind of have shallow thoughts and ask them very deep questions about themselves <laughs> and see if they can do it.
0: Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> uh, shit, a we, theme. We I'm...
0: find out who's been going to therapy.
1: <laughs> I mean, one thing I've always wanted to do with comedy is, is kind of figure out a way where I can get people comfortable with trans people. Mm-hmm. Where that was sort of... I never really expected that to happen. Mm-hmm. But as I started to go into all, going all those bro mics, that was a lot of feedback I was getting from people where they're like, I had no fucking clue about. They're mm-hmm. like, I knew trans people exist and I didn't have a problem with that. But at the same time, I just didn't know a single fucking thing about it. Right. And so I would go on stage and I'm not like sitting, I'm not sitting up there and being like, well, here's the thing about gender dysphoria. It's yeah, anxiety caused by, I would go up there and be like, So I had to go donate sperm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And they're like, whoa, I didn't even know that was a part of the process. Your balls don't produce sperm anymore. I'm like, nah, estrogen's weird.
0: Mm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) My nipples are sensitive. And they're like, whoa, that's new. I didn't even know nipples were sensitive.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Totally. I think, I think they're like, I think that's also like, you provide something that's really valuable in comedy is like, the perspective people get from stand up and seeing stand up performers just kind of humanizes people that you wouldn't otherwise interface with, you yeah. know? So I think mean, it's dope.
1: I mean, but theme, I, I don't know, just keep pushing. It's okay. Keep pushing forward. <laughs>
0: your stand up theme is really like, I have balls, I was jerking off. Like, that's, <laughs> that's your. St-
1: <laughs> I'm not trying to be a scholar here. Like, <laughs> there's not going to be any, like, uh, trans feminist book where they're like, It was all dark until uh, a leader came about talking about her balls and (laughs) (laughs) butthole. Her taint joke really changed the whole perspective of being trans in America.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny to me because, like, when comedians, like, when we talk about what we do, every comedian says, like, you know, I'm just out here telling dick jokes. And very few people actually tell dick jokes. It's just in our mind, every joke is just some shitty hack thing. (laughs) And you're like the only you're the person who tells the most dick jokes, (laughs) and you're all your set is like ninety percent dick jokes, and we're just all like awesome, amazing. She's so funny.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, my dream is to revolutionize the dick joke. Like if you think about it, no one's written a a good new dick joke since like 1990, (laughs) and then I'm coming in here and I've got this whole new spin on dick jokes. Yeah, I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm doing good. It's like a transcendent.
0: (laughs) dick joke it's like the next level it's like galaxy brain dick jokes <laughs> <laughs> all right awesome well that's pretty much it for our show do you have anything you want to throw on here
1: uh come to me and leland show oh yeah yeah uh, monday every other monday at nine o'clock you can follow me on Instagram at Chris underscore sure and I'll post about that. Please come. We nice. need people so badly.
0: Yeah, it's called uh, Who Hurt You? Yeah, it's
1: called Who Hurt You?
0: So if you want to listen to some comedians tell their jokes and then complain about the trauma in their lives, <laughs> it's great. It's it's a good show, I promise. So if you're listening, go check that out. I'll put the I'll put the link to Chris Sure's Chris Instagram in the description. I'll also put the Eventbrite page for that show and you guys can go and Go, go, listen, go laugh at some jokes. So, <laughs> thanks for coming on, Chris. Oh, I
1: had an amazing time. Thank awesome. you for having me. Perfect. Uh, I mean, you asked me at eleven o'clock last night. <laughs>
0: <laughs> thanks for coming on at short notice. <laughs> I got a little, I got a little goofed up. I, it's like here's what happens: is every week I record this, then I edit it and I release it, and then there's three or four days of me basking in the episode has been released, and then I'm like, okay, let's see how many listens I get, and then before I know it, it's Friday, and I'm like i gotta get someone on the show I, I need to plan better but yeah thank you for coming on this is awesome
1: uh, thanks for chilling yeah thank you for having me this uh, my i i was just gonna end up reading fan fiction that was gonna be my morning is I, I was gonna finish all 100 hundred and hundred and thirty thousand words of this fan fiction and now i did this instead
0: that's way too many it's
1: way too many <laughs> at a certain point it's just repeating they're like oh and there was a bunch of trauma and they're sad uh and then they got into a different situation but the trauma still affecting them uh, <laughs> i'm just like jesus finish the story but
0: <laughs> awesome well guys thank you so much for tuning in um we'll cut, we'll be back next week with more don't quit your day job action and i do not know who the guest will be because <laughs> that is how it goes so Enjoy your fan fiction. Enjoy the rest of your week. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. Bye.